every single innovation that has happened in the human existence, right from whether it was us settling down and building civilizations through agriculture, whether it was the wheel, whether it was the printing press, or the industrial revolution, automobiles, and then most recently, information technology, has actually made the human experience better progressively and has resulted in more jobs and new jobs. Hi, I'm Abhinav. I'm Madhu. Welcome to the Inspiring Idea Podcast. We interview people from across the world and share their life stories and success formulas with our audience. We hope this will inspire you to achieve your dreams. So, let's get the show started. We have got a fantastic guest today who is a technology and product executive with expertise in data, analytics, and machine learning across a myriad of industries. He has experience working across several multinational companies like S2O.ai, Deloitte, Oracle, and Siemens in the US, Australia, Europe, and Asia Pacific. And he is also an author to the five books on software development, AI, ML, big data, and business intelligence. I'm not finished yet. He is also a co-faculty instructor at Stanford University, guest lecturer at Monash University, and an advisor at Louisiana Tech University. He's an industry leader, advisor at Pistoia Alliance, University of California at San Francisco, and the Council for Affordable Health Coverage in Washington, DC. I am gasping for breath here. Have I missed anything, Prashant? Welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, Madhu, and thank you, Abhi. Glad to be here. I currently work for the UNUM Group as a director of uh, data science and analytics based in Chattanooga, Tennessee. But my opinions on your show are strictly mine and don't represent those of my employer or anyone else at UNUM. Thanks for the warm introduction. I'm thrilled to be here with the two of you on your show. Welcome to the show, Prashant. Prashant, in next 30 minutes, we want to explore your life journey and deep dive into the key moments which contributed to who you are today. Prashant, hats off to your decorated career. I'm curious to know how it all started. It started, I guess, with uh, finishing with college. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have a degree in chemical engineering. And uh, even through my education was always interested on in the creative and artistic side of things as much as I was interested in the engineering side of things. Mm-hmm. So coming right out of my um, undergraduate degree from uh, Manipal Institute of Technology in India, I then started working, actually building advertisements, uh, writing and doing illustrations for technology companies in Bangalore, India. And then when I did that for some time, I then got into uh, product management and then joined Siemens, which was just then setting up their India Development Center to support the European markets and later the Americas and worked at Siemens for some time. And then uh, ended up managing a team at Siemens and then took a break in 2003 
to go get my master's in technical communications and linguistics from Auburn University here in the US. So I would say that in terms of education and career, it was a combination of engineering and the liberal arts and then a couple of different roles. That's very interesting. Yeah, you did not stop there, right? So, but you ended up working in US, Europe, Asia and Australia. Do you call yourself a, a world traveler? So did it happen by chance or was it a conscious decision by you? I would say part of it was conscious, part of it was by chance. So when I was working at Siemens, I had an opportunity to come to the United States because mm-hmm. Siemens had just acquired a company in the US and was essentially focusing on the US market. So as a result, there was this opportunity to come and work for Siemens, which is how I made my way over here. And then after that, while there has been some very deliberate choices in terms of what I've made, a large part of it is also, I guess, being around when the opportunities came along and in some cases creating the opportunities. So the travel around the globe that you allude to, Madhu, was something that right from my childhood, I have been moving from place to place, uh, even during my very early upbringing. So the idea of exploring different cultures, uh, meeting different people, and is something I enjoy a lot. And the ability to learn from people across the globe is something that has happened as a consequence. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't say that every single decision was absolutely deliberate. Some of those were just being in the right place at the right time. And that's that's what is the opportunity. That's a fantastic uh, answer. Thank you so much on that, Prashant. And how was your family reacting to this? You know, you keep traveling like this and uh, how did the family think of you and what 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 was their reaction um i think that's such an interesting question i think we'll have to ask my family what they actually think about it um i would say that uh, because we share similar thoughts and we share similar openness to travel and being in different places and meeting different people, it has been much easier that way. I couldn't have made some of these moves and the changes that I did without the explicit support of my family and without Mm -hmm. their enthusiasm. So in the last three years, for example, we went from California to Australia to Tennessee Um, Our son was a year old, less than a year old when we made the move to Australia. And then, you know, it's about three years old today. So Mm -hmm. he's had the uh, fortune, I would say, of growing up in two different countries, two different continents. Uh, And I really uh, owe it to my family uh, for putting up with me and my uh, nomadic habits. (laughs) That's a good one. 
And uh, coming back to the the subject matter itself, you know, Abhi and I have been uh, researching a lot about you over this weekend, and we thought we should dive deep on two specific, interesting career decisions that you have made. The first one being you getting into researching linguistics, and that's what you told earlier in your answer as well, and international Englishes in Auburn University mm-hmm. on how humans use language in the creation of small screen devices and enterprises. But why linguistics? because language is at the fundamental core of how humans communicate and not just communicate also how we think mm-hmm. whether it is about a scientific topic or a non scientific topic the ability to express ourselves in verbal and written language is one of the significant things that separates us as a species in terms of being able to communicate consume information and disseminate information in various forms mm-hmm. it's the it's essential and fundamental to human existence and what i learned very early in my career was that in order for teams to succeed in order for us to build great products in order to be able to interact in ways that were understandable by each other and to have the greatest impact you couldn't separate language mm-hmm. from the underlying thoughts that we have both as individuals and also part of the network that we call society and because i already had a technical education and background but because of my passion for all the reasons mentioned earlier i decided to actually go get a, a formal degree and also do research in particularly how people use language both in high technology settings and more importantly how do they use that to communicate ideas to innovate to imagine and then bring the best of both quantitative and qualitative analysis to life that's fantastic uh, can you share some insights from the research uh, that's helping you in the current field of data and uh, artificial intelligence i'd say there's a few points over here the first thing is we can't just deal with data as a quantitative topic mm-hmm. without being able to understand both the qualitative aspects of it for example the emotions the motivations etc the desires of the people who generate that data mm-hmm. on one hand and on the other hand in order to bring quantitative insights to life the most important aspect in my opinion is to be able to create narratives and tell stories mm-hmm. in the end human beings consume narratives and consume stories much better than any form of communication which is why whether you look at more traditional storytelling in the past before we had the kind of modern technologies that we do or even if you take a look at how our children learn whether it is through interacting with a website or watching tv or listening to us parents read a book 
in their early days when they are trying to consume language, storytelling is extremely important and is uh, still remains, in my opinion, the most effective way by which ideas can be communicated. So being able to tie data to effective narrative and description and stories, in my opinion, brings the best of both to life and allows professionals to be successful. And I just want, I'm also curious to know um, the relationship between linguistic and culture and data points. Like, do you, do you see there's a relationship there and how it works? Language is both a creator of culture and is also a representation of culture. And culture, not only in terms of a society's culture or a nation's culture, but also culture in respect of the professions and culture in respect of the workplace. Words carry a lot of meaning and words are extremely impactful. The word choices we make the way we address our audiences, whether it's in the personal or the professional sphere, mm-hmm. the tone and the various ideas that we express, how we express them, and how we use language and communications to bring people together in all spheres is fundamental to how we are able to create opportunities for and achieve success. So the fundamental idea of a culture is intimately intertwined with language. And in order to be successful with one, we need to understand the other. Mm -hmm. Now, just as culture influences language, language influences culture. And we see that numerous times again in history when you see how people interact with each other and this strong dependencies between both. That's a very good answer. I think I slightly wanted to poke you there in terms of uh, the, the culture and how people are interacting with each other. There is a new branch of engineering that has come through, which is, which is being evaluated in the Australian National University by Geneva Bell. I don't know if you're aware of it, but it's about how humans and systems interact. So we talk about humans to humans interaction. We talk about humans living in the era of technology and then evolving their communication. What's your thinking about humans to system interaction? Because that's going to rule the world with AI, self-driving cars, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, again, I'm not very familiar with this particular course in all honesty. Uh, so it would be very difficult for me to comment on something that I'm not familiar with. But at the same time, I would like to point out that the interaction of humans and systems is not necessarily new. Mm-hmm. When you take a look at fields of study such as human-computer interaction and cognitive psychology, both of which I also uh, have done both in my educational as well as in my professional career. And if you take a look at organizational behavior and organizational dynamics, the fact that humans interact with culture add uh, 
systems in different ways is something that has been studied in multiple ways, shapes, and forms, whether it is through things such as the rhetoric of science or whether it is through more traditional human-computer interaction or whether it is through organizational behaviors and sociology, which are also reflective of humans coming together in order to be able to interact with the systems. The systems don't necessarily have to be technology systems. The systems mm -hmm. can be biological systems. They can be cultural systems. Um, and so I, I think it's a field that has been around for a long time. So I, not knowing enough about this specific course, I would only point out that it's a place that has been extremely rich because in order to create knowledge and in order to share that knowledge and thrive with that knowledge, one cannot just look at individuals by themselves, mm -hmm. though that is important. One has to look at ways they interact with both organic and inorganic systems around them in order to come up with better ideas and understanding of how the world works. That's great. The second interesting thing we wanted to check with you was your interest in data. When and where did you start this journey? Well, it was almost uh, by accident in okay. some ways because while I was always interested in data as a part of my quantitative research uh, in both in engineering and in graduate school in uh, communications and linguistics, the formal move into actually dealing with unstructured data and structured data and semi-structured data and everything else in between happened sometime in the, I would say, um, late 2000s when I was working in Denver, Colorado. And one of my uh, friends one day drew out what a database structure looked like, specifically a star schema. And mm -hmm. then it was something that fascinated me because again, it brought together the intersections of technology on one hand, the understanding that data represents the quantitative aspect of capturing behavior, emotions, expectations, etc and then being able to tie that together into stories. So that was really, I think, the genesis of how I got started there. And then subsequently, it was an area that I got very interested and passionate about and then made a career switch from human-computer interaction and user uh, ethnographies and user interface design and uh, UX into more the data and analytics space. You covered a broad range of uh, topics there and you know, it's no brainer that everyone talks about data being the next oil. And it'll be interesting to know from your experience, and it, now it's getting serious, Prashant, <laughs> how the applicability of data has evolved for the digital transformation. And the, these are the buzzwords in the industries and corporates. But if you can give some practical examples of how data has helped companies uh, digitally transform, that would be a, a super beneficial aspect to the audience, yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I, again, I think it goes back to a fundamental understanding of who we are as humans, right? So if you take, go back to any society or any culture, going back thousands of years, we are essentially data producing and data consuming individuals and societies. The earliest records from the Indus Valley civilization in ancient India from Harappa and Munjdaro, for example, are records of the transactions that people had with each other data. They were early records of economics. And if you go back to other cultures also that are equally ancient, uh, the records that we have are those of almanacs, observatories. Mm -hmm. How do we interact with the celestial bodies around us? What that means for the weather? So the idea of weights and measurements, trade and astronomy, in addition to individual to individual interactions, contracts, for example, or agriculture, are again, fundamentally capture of data, the sharing of data and the dissemination of the data. So while data may be called the new oil or the new oxygen or whatever <laughs> metaphor people want to use, I would say that it goes fundamentally to who we are as human beings. We are data producing and data consuming creatures first and foremost. And that data is representative, as I mentioned previously, of not just quantitative transactions, but also of emotions and behaviors. The difference being now is we have a way, thanks to the tremendous improvements in technology over the last, I would say, maybe 200 years, and most definitely in the last 20 years, we have a way of capturing the data. We have a way of synthesizing the data. We have a way of sharing the data thanks to the internet. And most importantly, now with things like machine learning and deep learning and advanced analytics, we have a way of finding patterns that we couldn't find before easily, though they already existed in the data. We have a way of checking the uh, known knowns, the uh, known unknowns, the unknown unknowns. And then being able to leverage that to improve our experience and improve our being is I think one of the most important things that has happened recently. Great. So Prashant, I think my next question is about what does it mean for companies for considering digital transformation, especially post COVID-19? So I would say that COVID-19 is a once in a hundred year event by definition, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. It's one of those things in terms of being a pandemic. The last time we had a global pandemic like this that caused so much change and so many challenges was the Spanish flu. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, more than 100 years ago. Just like the Great Depression in the United States, just like the Spanish flu, just like the world wars, 
any event like this tends to have a multi-generational impact that is not well understood enough when it is taking place. But looking forward 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the line, I believe that it's going to have, it's going to cause long memories and it's going to cause fundamental changes to how humans behave mm-hmm. yeah. and how they interact. And also more importantly, it's going to create new opportunities. And there is going to be a new landscape that is happening. We just don't know it yet while we are in the middle of it. Yeah. But it's going to create a new landscape of opportunities. Uh, 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 every dark cloud has a silver lining. And we are essentially, it's, this is not going to last forever. We are going to come out of it. The question is, how do companies react to it? So companies that are going to understand the new behaviors and the changed behaviors and the new opportunities as a result of advanced analytics and AI are going to be doing better than the companies who don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my advice would be that if you are an organization that is trying to figure out what all this means. Yes, of course, you have to first focus on getting through this crisis. Mm -hmm. But digital transformation has to be, or rather the digital transformation has to include ways to think about not just how do you survive during the crisis, but how do you thrive when the crisis ends. And the companies that are going to do best are the ones who are going to be able to leverage analytics and AI and are able to come up with new ways of doing things in order to address these new and changed behaviors than the ones that don't. So the way I see the post-COVID-19 landscape fundamentally is going to be the ones who can leverage analytics and AI compared to the ones who don't. I think it's a very, very straightforward, simple thing. Um, The companies that see analytics and AI as a nice to have or don't understand the impact that it can have despite COVID-19, in my opinion, will be the ones who will take a deeper cut post-COVID-19. And the ones that are able to inform themselves and are able to put into practice teams and processes and opportunities will be the ones that thrive better. Uh, That's a great answer, Prashant. Uh, Prashant, post-COVID, like a lot of people are now either proactively introspecting or exploring new career opportunities. And looking at your career, what I could see that you've worked in different roles uh, throughout your career. Uh, what advice do you have for people who are looking for a, a new career opportunities or where, what they should be doing in maybe a decade from now? Uh, thank you. Uh, my advice would be, I guess, not very different from what most parents tell their kids. Mm-hmm. Be passionate about what you do. Be committed to who you do it for and what you take up. Be enthusiastic about delivering success for your customers. 
be enthusiastic about helping your colleagues and your team members thrive. And then finally, be extremely curious. The career of the 21st century, as others have said also, which I agree 100%, is not just going to be driven by the ability to learn, it's mm -hmm. also going to be driven by the ability to unlearn. So your podcast is called Inspiring Ideas. So using that metaphor, focus on ideas that inspire you. Mm -hmm. Focus on the ideas that inspire the people who work with you, around you, and the customers and your users that you are doing it for. Technical knowledge is extremely important, but knowledge and mastery are soft skills, such as communication, such as empathy, and the ability to collaborate both in a physical location and across physical locations, and the ability to be able to absorb new ideas and apply them in what we do mm -hmm. is going to be fundamental to career success because I think we will see more dynamic careers moving forward also as a result of what AI is going to do. It's not necessarily going to cause lost jobs. I've written in my books previously and I've been talking for years about this that the fear of general AI or singularity is completely overblown and a lot of it is driven by hype and uh, uh, news stories that are designed to frighten and sell. Yeah. It's not driven by the reality. Every single innovation that has happened in the human existence, right from whether it was us settling down and building civilizations through agriculture, whether it was the wheel, whether it was the printing press or the industrial revolution, automobiles, and then most recently information technology has actually made the human experience better progressively and has resulted in more jobs and new jobs. So, the recognition of that reality and being able to work in a symbiotic way with intelligent machines is going to be key for individuals moving forward. What a great answer was that. You know, it, it gives you a different perspective and uh, cuts across uh, people's mindsets and say, hey, I've got an opportunity here, you know, something that I can explore. I can be curious. I can be passionate and you know explore more that was a lovely answer prashant and coming back you said there, there were a couple of books that you were very keen to um, you know i am very keen to explore you know demystifying the big data and ml for healthcare and uh, some of the other books that um, you have written as well uh, can you talk more about the ones that you have uh, yeah, written so far uh, if you don't mind madhu i'm actually going to talk about the one that's coming out okay because... sure. Uh, I think that is particularly relevant 
to this construct that we just spoke about, about how do humans work with intelligent machines effectively in a way to benefit us, to benefit our organizations, to benefit our customers. And the new book is called Demystifying AI for the Enterprise. And it will come out early next year. Um, and it's going to be published by CRC Press, which is uh, affiliated to Taylor and Francis UK. I am writing this book with an all-star cast of experts who have been working in specific domains in significant innovation and transformation and also analytics and AI over many years. So my very illustrious uh, co-authors over here include Bob Rogers, Shantamohan, Kirk Bone, Lee Wilkinson, Jonas Christensen, and Edward Dixon. So we are focusing on both the horizontal functions in the modern enterprise. Doesn't matter what the size of the enterprise is. It could be small, medium, or large functions such as supply chain and HR, among other things. And then we take a look at specific verticals such as retail and financial services, etc. And what we do is we take examples and also provide ideas for how both the horizontal functions and industry verticals can leverage AI to create a more symbiotic organization where the people in the organization are able to thrive as a result of increased interactions and use of AI. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Uh, moving forward, Prashant, uh, it just, it's incredible that you're passing on your wealth of experience to the next generation by teaching and mentoring in many universities, especially in US. I believe US universities have been pivotal in producing great talent, which is driving innovation and also creating a lot of successful startups. What can other countries learn and adopt to replicate this particular model? That's a, that's a interesting question. And, and to be honest, I have to think about it a bit. So yeah. yes, US universities have been a prime mover and the United States still remains the shining beacon mm -hmm. for various people around the world, especially students, simply because there has been a healthy spirit of inquiry that is encouraged. There has been a good combination of interactions between industry and academia. And more importantly, there has also been this culture of bringing the best from around the world and creating an environment. But fundamentally, I think that is a symptom. It's mm -hmm. not a cause. And what I mean by that is fundamentally the reason that I think we see everything that we just discussed now is because of a few defining characteristics of American society as it's evolved over the last 200 plus years, which is a spirit of openness, a spirit of innovation. It's the land of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and more chances. It's a place where, or it's a culture where 
the answer that we have done it before and we are not going to try it again doesn't necessarily work. It's a culture where people are encouraged to try things, not only new things, but also new solutions to old problems that may have not worked in the past. And mm -hmm. it's a culture where failure is rewarded rather than punished. And I think that is the biggest difference I see having lived in as many countries around the world is as long as a culture is able to reward effort and is able to reward results more. I'm not saying that we should only reward people for effort. Of course, results should be rewarded. But in most countries and cultures, the tolerance for failure is very low. The United States, on the other hand, encourages failure because it's a society and a culture that understands that unless you try multiple things, you will not really know what works out. And hence, it's still the magnet for people from around the world. I, I am a very, very enthusiastic believer in the American experience and both from a cultural perspective, from a technology perspective, from a business perspective. And I can't say enough laudatory things about what this country means for progress. Fantastic, man. That's again coming straight from your heart. <laughs> what would you need from the community? I know you're creating a movement here, you know, uh, in, in whatever you do, you're being so passionate, you're being so curious and all that. So how do you think the, you know, some of the people who are listening to this podcast can join you in your movement and make the world a better place to live? I don't know if I'm starting a movement or anything else, Madhu, because those are big words that I don't know necessarily apply to me. All I'm doing is I am practicing what I love with passion. I am curious and I'm having fun doing it. Now, I don't want to take big ideas and big responsibilities such as launching a movement under me because that may mean that I lose out on the fun of doing it. So I would rather just stick with having fun, sharing openly, sharing freely, and being somebody who is seen as not just open to ideas, but open to helping people, young professionals who are starting in their career, professionals who are halfway through their career who want to make a change, and just being a contributor to society that brings more happiness to individuals. Um, anything beyond that, I don't think I'm necessarily qualified to comment on. I think it's incredible that having achieved so much and yes, being so humble. Thank you so much for your time, Prashant. It's been a real pleasure having you in our show. Thank Thanks, you very much. I thoroughly enjoyed it, uh, Madhu and Abhi. Um, and I look forward to what your listeners think about this episode and what new ideas may come out as a result. Great to have you on our show. Thanks, Prashant. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, my friends. We have got thousands of people listening to this podcast and wanted to thank you all for the love and encouragement so far. Some of you have reached out personally to us and thanked as well for producing great quality content. It would be awesome if you like and follow our LinkedIn page, Inspiring Ideas, 
and please don't forget to hit the subscribe button from where you are listening we are across all the key podcast channels apple google spotify etc we will see you with another great episode next week thank you so much